0: Hi, it's Mark Sisson. Welcome to the Primal Blueprint Podcast. It's time for another show dedicated to the world of keto. Check out ketoreset.com for details about my New York Times bestselling book and send your questions to info at ketoreset.com. Hi, listeners. Welcome to the Keto Show. And this is a recording of a Facebook live event I did for our wonderful folks in the Keto Reset Facebook group. Uh, I set the tone or the framework was to talk about eight common mistakes that we make with keto and how to avoid them, correct them. Uh, It was from a piece that we created for Paleo Magazine, uh, inspired by the book. So I talked through the eight common mistakes with uh, occasional interruptions or asides from people who were writing in on the scrolling uh, Facebook live chat thing. So we had some cool little insights about uh, whether keto would be good for uh, young high school runners, why you're not losing weight on keto, and maybe what you can do about it, Uh, little tidbits like that. So I hope you enjoy the show and go over to Facebook and join the Keto Reset Facebook group. There's 26,000 people on it. It's thriving. It's wild. We have expert moderators weighing in and having great productive discussions from real people doing their thing. And I hope you enjoy this show. We had a little glitch where my video screen went dark and I started up again. So it's going to be jumping right into it. Thank you. So I'm going to jump right into the eight common mistakes with going keto and what you can do about it. How's that? Um, The first one that's so disturbing, happening quite frequently these days, is to apply a shortcut approach. Uh, Achieving and maintaining nutritional ketosis requires an excellent level of pre-existing fat adaptation. If you jump into extreme carb restriction while you still have a bit of carbohydrate dependency, your body will make up for dietary carbohydrate deficits by making glucose internally via the hallmark fight or flight process of gluconeogenesis. You get what we're talking about here? If you just cut carbs out of your diet and think that you're going to go straight into this exalted ketone burning state that we talk about so much in the book and reference all the great scientific study that's showing the brain function works better when you're burning ketones, less inflammation, better oxygen delivery, your concentration goes up, your cognitive function. All those things require a lot of hard work with uh, dietary fat adaptation and actually making ketones the right way in the liver as a function of carbohydrate restriction or calorie restriction. Uh, So if you just jump into this, what's going to happen is your body's going to experience it as a extreme stress because you've been burning carbohydrates in your brain your entire life and now all of a sudden you don't have the usual dietary access to them. You're going to kick into that fight-or-flight response and you will commence the process of gluconeogenesis to convert, uh, in a lot of cases, lean muscle tissue into sugar to continue to fuel the glucose needs of your brain with glucose instead of ketones because you're not good at making and burning ketones right away. Okay, so the shortcut approach, really important to be patient, make sure that you can comfortably skip meals without feeling hungry or experiencing a decline in mood, energy levels, cognitive function, and that shows that you're getting, you're making progress toward fat adaptation. So we don't want to worry about dipping down into that really low level of carb intake fifty grams or below to stimulate liver ketone production until we're really good at burning fat and getting some a uh, groove going with that primal style eating approach, which as you probably know from primal blueprint carbohydrate curve, if you ditch grains and sugars and transition to more of that paleo primal low carb ancestral style diet, you can. Uh, land in an area around 150 grams of carbs per day. That's abundant uh, consumption of vegetables, uh, seasonal, seasonal fruit, sensible intake of fruit, and incidental carbs from numerous other sources, but not really worrying about that extreme carbohydrate restriction. So you build some momentum at the 150 gram per day level. It's pretty comfortable. It's easy. You can have your sweet potatoes. You can have occasional a bowl of popcorn or whatever, you're not like really strict into this, and then you get good at burning fat, you can skip meals, you can skip breakfast, wait till lunch, all that stuff's humming along, and then and only then can you consider a foray into nutritional ketosis. That's why we work so hard in the book to make this a multi-stage approach, where the first stage is the 21-day metabolism reset, where you just get the junk out of your diet and clean up your act get progressing toward fat adaptation, but not thinking about keto until we engage in that fine tuning period where you stretch out uh, the beginning time of your first meal of the day. So you're putting together an eight or a 12-hour fast, uh, working your way up toward uh, being able to last comfortably until lunchtime without consuming any calories. And that indicates, let's say, Uh, a 16-hour fast, and then uh, once you pass that keto reset midterm exam, you can commence a formalized period of nutritional ketosis lasting a minimum of six weeks. So you make that commitment to go for that long so that you can build momentum and things can really start to get smooth and easy uh, toward the end of that six-week block. Okay. Oh, um, Someone just jumped in here and said, hey, Brad, you mentioned that Kelly Starrett was on the expert interview section of the Primal Blueprint digital course, but I don't see his content listed. So we have interviews from Kelly in the Primal Endurance course, extensive interviews, as well as the Keto Reset course, uh, but not in the uh, Primal Blueprint 21 Day Reset course. Uh, Maybe that answers your question, Justin. Anyway, so the shortcut approach is the first and foremost thing to avoid uh, when you're uh, considering keto. You might feel great for a while on an abrupt immersion into keto thanks to the stress hormones circulating, but your chronic stimulation of the fight-or-flight response will lead to a rebound effect where you eventually become fatigued, crave sugar, consume high doses of Ben and Jerry's, and sleep all weekend. These are all hardwired survival mechanisms against the restriction of your usual steady supply of energy. So that's an important point to make. When you jump into an extreme dietary uh, uh, transformation of any kind or a crash diet of any kind, you're going to feel buzzed on adrenaline for a while and you're going to report to your friends and followers I feel fantastic. I wake up at 6 a.m. I'm not even hungry. I can go for hours and hours on this crazy new diet, whatever it is, fill in the blanks. And it's because of the stress response, not because of the beneficial metabolic effects of your diet. So understand that distinction. When you put yourself into a crazy situation, your body will respond by pumping out these stress hormones, trying to get you through it. But at some point down the line, Could come at three weeks, could come at 12 weeks if you're lucky. Or in the case of the um, athletes that engage in extreme overtraining, as I did for different periods of time in my career, I'd go for incredible binges of amazing workouts and waking up every day and feeling great. And it would last for six weeks. And then I would be absolutely flat on my back for six weeks. I could not figure out why I was the world beater uh, back in February. And then in May, I'm on the couch and I can't get up and I had to study the, uh, the, the science of um, how the stress hormones work and the stress response works in the body. And all the great books by Hans Selye, the father of modern stress research, where he's talking about stimulus perception and response and the adaptation phase where you're pumping out higher than normal level, levels of these stress hormones like cortisol and you feel fantastic. You're going by feel, you're going by how your body feels every day. So I'm not stupid, I'm not pushing myself to do stuff that I don't feel like doing. I'm buzzed and I'm pumped up and I'm like, let's go, let's go for three more hours, I feel great. And all that's true, but you have to use that reasoning, that higher level reasoning to think, wow, I've really been going crazy and doing extreme training for weeks and weeks on end, I'm not even tired, maybe I'm in an overstressed state and need to just settle down for the sake of settling down. You get the difference, okay? Uh, also relevant to uh, crazy diets, okay. Uh, the second of the eight ways that you can make mistakes with keto is insufficient duration with your keto stints. Dr. D'Agostino asserts that nutritional ketosis efforts should last a minimum of six weeks. This is when you start to experience the maximum benefits. Of fat and keto adaptation. By this time, you'll likely have regained any temporary performance declines caused by muscles and brains competing for precious ketones when deprived of their usual steady supply of glucose. So remember that as you're transitioning into fat and keto adaptation in the first few weeks of going keto, uh, it's going to be possibly a tough time, especially if you're trying to do a significant amount of exercise, because If your muscles have been in that sugar-burning state your whole life, of course your brain's mostly reliant upon glucose your entire life, almost all of your brain's energy needs. And now all of a sudden you're restricting both your primary muscle fuel and your primary brain fuel. You're going to have a competition for energy. That's why in the first three weeks of transitioning to keto, it's a great idea to tone down your exercise habits and just try to focus on the dietary transformation instead of maintaining whatever uh, training volume or frequency of gym visits you had been doing before. Just be patient, Give it, uh, take a three-week break in your training, a plan for a down cycle in your training while you're restricting your calories, and you'll have uh, a lot easier time of it because you don't have this huge energy demand need and even uh, demanding less energy than normal will make things uh, a lot easier, set you up for success with that easy transition. And then, guess what happens after three weeks of ketogenic eating? Your body starts to get used to it, and the benefits start to kick in. The turbocharged fat burning and the ketone manufacturing in the liver being upregulated, then you have that energy throughout the day. You're hardly ever hungry you can start to relate to a lot of the benefits that you read about that are so exciting and sound so great, but sometimes don't really um, kick in in that realistic manner when you're doing them. So tone down the exercise and also make the long-term commitment to keto so that you know you're looking at a six-week timeline rather than seeing how it goes for the first couple weeks and seeing if you can stick with it. Just know that it might be difficult out of the gate And then you build momentum each passing week. So make sure that uh, your duration out of the gate is long rather than uh, haphazard. Okay. Um, These comments and questions are scrolling, so I don't want to miss them. So I'll take a little break from the list and uh, go to the live questions. And if you can see, let me look at myself on the camera. Am I shaking a little bit because I'm so nervous to talk to my my Keto Reset group? No, it's because I just got out of the cold tub and um, <laughs> I'm getting really good at uh, uh, my um, sort of, it's sort of a meditation session where uh, I'm doing these 20 deep diaphragmatic breath cycles. Once I jump into the tub, the tub's at 36 degrees now, which is awesome because on hundred degree days, I appreciate this uh, cold plunge, the chest freezer or cold plunge so much more. I've been doing this All throughout the winter and it's just getting hot now Um, and boy how much fun Uh, it was it was fun during the winter too but when it's 103 and you jump in 36 degree water quite refreshing lovely as a matter of fact so been doing it every single morning for this entire year of 2018 when I really got big into cold therapy and just about every night right before I go to bed feels fantastic to get in there lower my body temperature and really set me up for a good night's sleep. So I'm taking these deep diaphragmatic breaths. I'm getting better and better at it. I have some times where I just exhale, and I just sit there before I take my next breath, and it might be 10, 15 seconds of just silence and stillness, sitting there in that cold water, looking at my legs like they don't even belong to me. I'm just in this really floating, beautifully relaxed state. I'm not thinking of anything else. I'm totally in that meditative state, Where I'm just focused on my breath count. The only time I can really do it well is in the cold freezer. I'm not a great meditator, uh, but this has really been a nice connection to the benefits of cold exposure uh, per se, the physical benefits, but also getting that chance to calm the mind down. Um, But anyway, I'm getting so good at it. I stay for now. It's about uh, it's over five minutes. Used to be like three minutes at that temperature, 36 degrees, 38 degrees. so after you're in there for five minutes, sometimes you have this kind of delayed uh, shivering effect, maybe 10 or 15 minutes after you get out. So I'm trying to calm my legs because they're kind of getting jittery underneath me. <laughs> but it feels good. Also, notice I'm wearing my my Ollie G sweatsuit. Hold on, can you see the logo? O oh, G gee, baby. Uh, I'm wearing that on a 90-degree um, morning here in Sacramento, so... It's trying to warm up. Okay, got my, uh, what do you call these, the stretch cords in the background. These things are pretty awesome for a ready-made total full body workout. Love doing the crossovers with the abs. Starting here, pulling across my body to the knee. So I'm in a kind of a ready athletic state, and I'm grabbing up here and pulling across my body to simulate the golf swing. Great ab workout. All right, nice little asides here. Oh, so uh, Zomi says, I'm not losing any weight on keto. I only lose when I'm doing an extended or dry fast. I don't know what a dry fast is. Hopefully, you're drinking water during your fast. So you lose weight through extended fast, but not on keto. I started two months ago. How can I start losing weight on keto? Oops, just jumped right when I was finishing. Um, fasting has been stressful the last few times. Okay. Um, First of all, two months ago is not a long duration time to evaluate. So I wouldn't worry about uh, your lack of success with such a short uh, time sample. If you continue with your efforts to be fat and keto adapted, including throwing in those fasts in a way that's not too stressful. We don't want to be stressed when we're fasting. So, uh, if you pick a duration that's not so bad, not so stressful, uh, maybe it's going to be a 24 hour fast rather than a 48 hour or something that's doable. Um, You know, make sure you're enjoying it. We don't want this to be a short term thing. I'm especially concerned about people that have been in this game for uh, whatever, a couple few years. And what's going to happen two or three years from now? Are are we going to be sick of all this stuff and just sitting around? Eating whatever we want because we can report back and say, yeah, and you know, in 2017, 2018, I got into that keto thing and I did a lot of fasting, and it started to get to be a real hassle, and uh, I got tired and felt lousy, and so now I'm just back to where I was before I even uh, got exposed to all this. We we do not want that worst case scenario, so we want this stuff to all integrate smoothly into our lifestyle. I just did a. Great podcast with Dr. Peter Attia. Uh, I hopefully you've heard of him. He's one of the leading guys uh, in the world of longevity and uh, uh, low carbohydrate eating, ketogenic eating. He was in uh, strict nutritional ketosis for three years straight without a break. He had a glucose monitor surgically implanted into his abdomen so he could get a readout on his smartphone at all times what his glucose was. He was deep, deep into this with spreadsheets and recording everything and the blood values. And now you ask him today, and uh, are you still in keto? And he's like, nah, I'm too busy. It's too much hassle. <laughs> um, he's actually just getting back into keto and doing some experimentation with fasting uh, for a week, going keto for a week, uh, and just charting everything on behalf of his patients and clients that he works with. So, um, But for a long time, it just got to be too much and interfering with normal, happy, healthy lifestyle to get that deep into it. So uh, back to that question, um, make sure your fasting stuff is comfortable and fun, and uh, losing weight on keto, not losing weight on keto. I guess uh, we're hearing uh, frequently these days that um, it's possible to over-consume fat because you have this free pass to consume all these fat bombs and high-fat coffees, and if you get your calories from dietary fat, there's not going to be any uh, any stimulation justification for burning excess body fat. So we still have to create that caloric deficit where we're obtaining some of our daily energy needs from stored body fat rather than ingested fat. So making that simple point or reminding you uh, about that simple point that, um, you know, monitoring your Satiety levels, not overeating, eating when you're hungry, and uh, being uh, content to skip a meal or have a uh, sensible sized meal rather than overstuffing with fat just because you're allowed to. I think that's a common uh, issue with people is they're just going deep into this thing, smiling when they see the the bacon that they're allowed to eat, and possibly uh, compromising their fat reduction goals just because. They're getting these wonderful, fantastic, indulgent meals. Okay, Uh, Justin writes on the chat. uh, Do you have any recordings with Luis Villasenor? I would love to hear a conversation between both of you. So you can search on YouTube right now. uh, Brad Kearns, Luis Villasenor, strength training on keto—that's the title, something like that. I talked to him at Paleo FX back in April. We had a great conversation pretty lengthy videos, 17 or 19 minutes, and he gave some great insights, especially about maintaining a commitment to high-intensity training uh, while ketogenic. And he's been doing this for 16, 17 years straight. Hardcore bodybuilding and powerlifting uh, on a ketogenic diet. Uh, more commentary there on ketogains.com about how this is absolutely sustainable even for high-performance, explosive, high-intensity athletes, where you sometimes hear that, oh, yes, they need their carbs for sure if they're doing these glycolytic workouts. And Luis has proven uh, otherwise um, very likely due to the scientifically validated concept that uh, being in a a ketogenic state is protein-sparing. So when you go and do a badass workout, high-intensity workout workout, that supposedly is breaking down all that muscle tissue and requiring uh, a lot of carbohydrate and protein intake to restock glycogen and rebuild the protein, Uh, this is less of an impact on a ketogenic person because they're in that adaptive state where they're not breaking down their muscles so much and, of course, not burning as many uh, carbohydrate calories, not only during the workout but around the clock due to their uh, keto status. So you just simply don't have a high demand for carbohydrates, even though you're burning a lot of carbohydrate energy uh, during the workout. And if you're familiar with the FASTER study, F-A-S-T-E-R, they had these mind-blowing insights where the guys who were um, uh, tested in the laboratory, the fat-adapted athletes, uh, would deplete their glycogen during a three-hour uh, moderately paced aerobic run. Of course, three hours, you're going to be depleting glycogen even if you're uh, jogging or going at a very comfortable pace. And they discovered that even without a carbohydrate refeed after, the all-important stuff you face when you get home from a long-duration workout, even without doing that, they were able to restore glycogen by the next day when they got back into the lab and they were testing everything. And um not quite exactly sure how that was happening so efficiently in these fat-adapted athletes, but you can restock glycogen without even stuffing your face with carbs. Uh, And also, uh, Atiyah told me during the podcast that um, a fat-adapted athlete does not require uh, complete overstocking with glycogen at all times, like we've been told uh, for endurance athletes forever, that you have to keep those glycogen tanks constantly filled up such that when you get home from a workout, you have this critical window of opportunity time of an hour immediately after the workout when your muscles are most receptive to glycogen reloading and nutrient reassimilation. So you're obligated to slam down food as soon as you're done with your workout and restock those muscles right away because otherwise you're gonna compromise your recovery. And all this was uh, largely true in the carbohydrate dependency paradigm but not in the fat adapted paradigm. Dr. Timothy Noakes has uh, expressed this difference uh, better than anybody, where he's tearing the pages out of his uh, best-selling book, "The Lore of Running," because they're no longer relevant when you become fat adapted. You don't have to stuff your face uh, with the calories that you just burned during the workout. And Atia said that a, a fat and keto adapted athlete might be walking around. With less than full glycogen tank storage because you don't need them you don't have that high demand for glycogen pretty interesting that means you're gonna uh, carry around less weight and feel less bloated and that's why people that go keto can lose ten pounds in the first week because a lot of that's water retention as well as reduced inflammation and reduced uh, glycogen levels and remember when you're storing glycogen uh, one gram of carbohydrate you consume binds with three to four grams of water in the body so you get that uh, bloated sensation when you're in a high-carbohydrate eating pattern, and that goes away when you get fat and keto adapted. Okay, uh, James says, Are you doing the Wim Hof method uh, when I was talking about my cold plunge and my deep breathing? Um, I'm learning more about it. I'm listening to this incredible book uh, called What Doesn't Kill Us. Is that what it's called? Sorry. Um uh, it's the uh, the 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 guy talking about um, cold exposure and um, uh, how it, you know, it kind of reawakens our uh, primal abilities to be uh, more resilient humans and things that we're missing out today when everything's comfortable, including the air temperature in our largely indoor environments. We never expose ourselves to heat or cold anymore, and we lose a lot of these uh, primal adaptations that can have. Uh, good carryover consequences into just being more focused, resilient, disciplined in daily life. So uh, the breathing thing, it turns out, uh, for me anyway, turns out to be a big part of the cold exposure that I just have to lock into a breathing pattern in order to withstand the cold. So I'm really uh, appreciating Wim Hof Method more. Um haven't done those distinct uh, uh, training exercises where You psych yourself up and uh, get into a breathing ritual beforehand so that you can handle the cold. So I've kind of just been uh, adapting myself through repeated exposure every day. So I'm kind of backing into the Wim Wim Hof method is my answer and interested in learning more about it. Okay, so Tim says, can you briefly cover the importance or lack thereof of blood ketone values? I've been strict keto for about eight weeks. I feel great. I'm slowly, steadily losing weight. However, my fasting blood ketones are rarely above 0.5. Should I ignore the blood numbers and just keep moving forward? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, Tim, that's funny because um, when I was working on the book, I plunged deep into a strict period of nutritional ketosis, lasted about five months, over five months, measuring my blood every single day, a couple few times a day, all in the name of research and getting some uh, a body of work to comment upon uh, in writing the book. Marxists and doing the same thing. We're talking about it with each other. We're sending text pictures of the screen readout and noticing what was happening to me. Anyway, was I was rarely above that zero point five level that uh, by and large is defined as the uh, the cutoff point, the low cutoff point for saying that you're in ketosis. So under zero point five, you're not technically in ketosis. 0.5 to 1.5 uh, represents that uh, that basic or that introductory level of ketosis. Um, couldn't figure it out for a while. Had talked to some of the world's eating experts like Dr. Kate Shanahan. She described this concept known as ketone flux, where your body produces exactly what you need of any substance, including ketones, at any time. So your liver, the control tower for all... Uh, processing of nutrients and metabolic function is going to dump into your bloodstream exactly what you need at any given time. We know that even in the total blood volume in the body of what is it seven to eight liters is that right or 10 to 12 liters there's a lot of blood running around our body and our optimal circulating level of glucose is only five grams one teaspoon so the liver is constantly making sure that we have the exact amount of glucose in the bloodstream at any time because we know that even getting a little bit high or a little bit low on glucose can have dire circumstances. It's a bad deal. Hyperglycemic, hypoglycemic, you're both going to drop to the ground pretty soon. Uh, That's the dangers of diabetics when they have a, a difficulty controlling that. So the same with ketones. Your liver is going to make the exact amount of ketones you need to... Optimize your function at that point to send the brain whatever fuel source it needs. If you're transitioning over to keto and you're going from uh, 100% glucose-burning brain uh, over time, improving to uh, when a highly fat and keto-adapted person can get up to like uh, two-thirds ketones and one-third glucose. So during this graceful phase when you're transitioning over to becoming more metabolically flexible, you're going to make ketones and you're going to burn them. That means that your blood meter might not show a big reading. It also means that at first you might show higher readings Then over time as you become better at making and burning ketones rather than just making them. Uh, Dr. Kate presented the example of uh, patients coming into the ER and they've been sick and puking and not getting fluids down for a few days. So they're in ketosis uh, to the extreme uh, because of their illness. And so they can go test on the blood meter and have a high level of ketones. But again, if you're talking about an average Joe eating the standard American diet uh, is very poor or incapable of burning ketones, all that's happening is the ketones are being produced, Uh, They're high levels in the bloodstream due to the acute illness, and then they're being excreted through the blood, breath, and urine. That's why you get the bad breath, and you see these—I'm still laughing when I see these articles in prominent uh, uh, publications, whatever, large newspapers, magazines, you know, big media outlets, and they're always uh, dropping these lines in like, yeah, the side effect of bad breath is a bad one, but— people are losing weight on keto and they're just throwing these terms out there, obviously not understanding what the whole game is all about. So if you have uh, ketones on your breath or you're peeing on the keto sticks and turning them dark, that means you're making ketones and not burning them. I'd much rather uh, see your report that your blood values are low, but you're feeling great, losing weight, you have steady brain function all the day. And so that... uh Gave me a little bit of uh, reassurance when uh, I talked to Kate and a few other people actually saying that, yeah, it's not necessarily the high blood values on the screen, but it's how you feel and all the other uh, peripheral factors that are going well uh, that indicate that you're becoming fat and keto adapted. And there seems to be uh, a fair amount of genetic variation too, where some people are going to put up higher numbers than someone else. Uh, but all things are going well. Also, I'm laughing because, um, what is this, a couple months ago, I was well out of keto, just having an experiment of increasing my carb intake, uh, staying in that keto zone, where some days I probably am qualifying for keto uh, 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 numbers, you know, under 50 grams of carbohydrate intake a day. Other days, I'm probably up at 150 or 200 just because I'm deciding to do this phase and seeing how my body reacts to certain things. And I remember pricking my finger and uh, trying the ketone meter just for fun, coming off of a day of uh, high carbohydrate intake and even some carbohydrate ingestion uh, hours before the test. And my blood value was 0.7, which was higher than uh, many, many times during this full-on plunge into uh, nutritional ketosis for five months without interruption. I have no idea how I could put up a number like that with carbs so recently in my bloodstream. Oh, I think I had done a workout, uh, ran seven miles or something, and so maybe uh, that was a, a stimulation for my body to make ketones and an indication that, again, when I need a certain fuel source, I'll make it and um, exactly that amount and no more. So that was another critical distinction uh, that that Kate uh, reminded me of, is that the body is not interested in making more than we need of anything. We're going to make the exact amount and never more. That's just not how we work. Okay. Uh, Brendan says, hey Brad, I love the discussion. Is there a recommended youngest age for keto? I'm curious how much fat I should recommend my high school cross country and track runners should take in. Yeah, that's a good question. Um, I would say anyone who's in a growth phase of life who is not fully grown should have no business thinking about any of this uh, until much later because um, we're having entirely different metabolic goals when we're in those growth phases of life. And restricting carbohydrates for especially a young athlete just might not be warranted. Um, again, most of the people who are in this game have goals such as. Uh, reducing excess body fat, right? Um, and I guess for a young person um, who has that goal as well because of um, kind of a uh, a rough start into the world of standard American dietary habits, it might be uh, something to consider. Uh, but I'd uh, proceed with caution just due to the age and also anyone who's performing in high school sports, um, it might not be might not be the best time. Um, unless it was a really uh, well guided and supervised approach, uh, where the student was, you know, highly enthusiastic and willing, uh, had no problem with the dietary modifications, uh, trying to fit that into uh, peer influences and routine, uh, busy modern life for a teenager, seems like we wouldn't have too many candidates that were eager to. Uh, plunge into the extreme uh, dietary restriction that's more the um uh the game of uh, adults that are interested in uh, health optimization and so forth. so um, if someone's interested, they can go for it, right? So we got through two of the um, eight common mistakes. One was the shortcut approach, uh, making sure that you're fat adapted before you're going keto. second was making sure you commit to a long duration. So that you're not kind of bombing out after the three-week mark saying it was too tough for you right before um, the benefits really kick in. And the third common mistake is ignoring or struggling with the lifestyle elements. If you exercise chronically, sleep insufficiently, or exhibit poor stress management techniques, your dietary transformation efforts are likely to fail. That's right. A flawed lifestyle approach can push you in the direction of carb dependency nearly as powerfully as chowing down too many refined carbohydrates. Studies show that a single night of insufficient sleep can leave you temporarily insulin, as insulin-resistant as a type 2 diabetic. Chronic exercise patterns can make it impossible for you to resist carbohydrate binges to restock depleted glycogen. Even a type A mindset puts you in a sympathetic dominant state. That's the sympathetic nervous system. We call that the fight-or-flight nervous system uh, in contrast to the counterbalancing parasympathetic nervous system function. These are two branches of the autonomic nervous system that we want to have operate in harmony and in balance. But today, with this go-go-go mentality, we're in a sympathetic dominant state. And being in that fight-or-flight that oversympathetic i shouldn't say that, sympathetic dominant state oversympathetic state oh sorry about your bad day boo hoo okay being in that fight or flight state too often correlates with sugar cravings and fat storage i know cortisol high cortisol levels causing you to crave more sugar and being more likely to store those calories as fat and more likely to overeat due to the fight or flight responses Adverse impact on your appetite and metabolic hormones. You will spike the prominent hunger hormone ghrelin and you will dysregulate the important satiety and fat storage hormone leptin when you are a stress head. So don't be a stress head. And if you are, um, forget about things like keto until you mellow out and balance and calm your life because you'll be working in direct opposition against yourself. You'll be disciplined to be making these uh, dietary transformations and uh, diligently restricting carbohydrates and writing down what you eat on a journal. But if you're too stressed, um, not sleeping well, over exercising, you're going to push yourself right back in the direction of carbohydrate dependency. So the tips for success here: number one, out of the gate, if you're a dietary enthusiast and you want to make something happen, improve your diet. Get the F to sleep on time. Minimize artificial light and digital stimulation after dark. These will throw off your appetite and metabolic hormones. You will be a fat storer rather than a fat burner because you are compromising your sleep habits. So, ha, we should even have as the starting point. We should have wrote the first half a chapter in the book saying, look, don't even read this book. Unless you're sleeping well, because you're going to override all these wonderful efforts to try to fine tune your fat burning and get the liver to make these wonderful ketones. None of that's going to be relevant unless you're uh, engaging in healthy sleep habits. So I think the biggest mistake that we see these days is uh, excess artificial light and digital stimulation after dark, Uh, probably for two reasons. I just put this on my Instagram post this morning. Um the first reason is we go on our busy hard day and we deserve to unwind and relax and engage in some exciting digital stimulation with our favorite show and our favorite binge watching. And so absolutely we deserve to unwind, relax from the stress of a busy day, enjoy some digital entertainment, but I will advocate for doing that earlier in the evening and spending the last couple hours before bed Doing things that are not highly stimulatory or emitting light into your eyeballs, touching your SCL SCN, the suprachiasmatic nucleus, which is the kind of control center for the hypothalamus to uh, determine whether it's night or day and engage the various hormonal processes that are associated with uh, when it gets dark, winding down, going to sleep, releasing melatonin into your bloodstream so you feel sleepy and transition nicely from a waking state to a sleeping state. All that stuff gets messed up when you're blasting your eyeballs with screen emissions. Okay, so do it earlier in the night if you must. And that's fine if you must. So that was the first reason it's like, hey, I finally get to unwind. All my chores are done. My kids are asleep, whatever it is. And now it's ten thirteen p.m. and time to turn on a show. That's just That's just starting the clock up all over again instead of winding it down. So whatever you can do to engage in digital entertainment earlier in the evening. And then the second reason I see is, well, this is for me too. Uh, I might've screwed around a bit during the busy work day. And so now I got to catch up on email to kind of make up for myself and uh, make sure I feel uh, like I'm not a slacker. So we're trying to catch up on things if we did so much as depart from uh, the absolute grind Stages of uh, the entire day. If you went out and had a dentist appointment from 3 to 4 30 p.m., that's your justification for firing up that machine at 10 o'clock at night and catching up on your email. Uh, But here's the thing I don't like to waste time. I like to be busy and productive and efficient. And I want to keep at the very forefront of my consciousness the idea, the scientifically proven idea, that if you compromise your sleep, You work slower and less effectively. You screw up your executive function, your decision-making, your problem-solving. So you can't really tell, you can't really determine how you're screwing up and how you're falling short. But if you fall short on sleep, work will take longer the next day. So it does not make sense to fall short on sleep. You are not catching up on anything if you're cranking through emails at 10 p.m. You are just kind of being a in a uh, a numbing catch twenty two problem where you're gonna fall further behind because you stayed up late catching up. You get what I'm talking about. So the tip here is get to sleep on time. Um, remember also that uh, when you're staying up late, you're gonna be uh, more predisposed to craving sugar and having more difficulty adhering to that ketogenic diet. Uh, also be sure to avoid chronic exercising. And we'll talk about that more in the next tip and um, build some planned downtime so that you're not exhausting yourself uh, throughout the day. So the lifestyle elements, not only your evening sleep habits, but also downtime into your hectic schedule, such as 10-minute strolls during the workday, stopping at the park on your commute home for 10 minutes of jungle gym play, and a standing appointment for an evening stroll with your dog. Work on managing the stress of hectic daily life With mindfulness, calming rituals, and a positive attitude. All right. Oh, I'm sorry, this thing's still scrolling. Look at all this great stuff. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, uh, Oh, yeah. So, uh, adding on to the previous question that Brendan had for young runners, I use primal endurance almost exclusively in coaching my distance runners. Oh, isn't that great? My gosh. I wish you know, you should go around and give talks to other coaches because. what I see mostly is kids getting uh, driven like like uh, uh, pack animals in the high school athletic programs, especially endurance training. And whew, it's like survival of the fittest. It works for the fastest and most three talented runners on the team. And then the next 27 are just barely hanging on, but they're smiling and have a good time. And then the 15 in the back are going to quit. And that's the most tragic and disgraceful occurrence to happen is on a watch of a coach seeing attrition in the ranks with the coming uh, passing season. And I see far too many coaches that are overly geeked up and overly competitive and want to win and want to get their varsity team to the county championships and maybe qualify for the state. And they're obsessed and absorbed with uh, the performances of the fastest five runners and how they're going to modify their next interval workout to help with their finishing kick, but in these mass participation sports like cross-country, oh my gosh, I wish more attention were paid to the kids in the back and wondering if they're having a good time or they're pushing themselves too hard or their lives are out of balance with too much stress and this is just another form of stress, and maybe their experience could be modified to where we tone down, we get over ourselves a little bit not worry so much about the highly competitive runners where you do get such a reward as a coach to see these receptive and talented kids bring out the best in themselves, but maybe they don't need as much love and support as the kid who's struggling in the back. Turn them loose, let them go run. The fast kids are gonna win the races anyway, no matter what you do. All you can do is screw them up, but the other kids, you can nurture and change and give a uh, you know a life-changing experience if they have a positive Experience during the season rather than just get discouraged and quit. Ah, how's that, man? A little mouthful. Yeah, let's record that as a soundbite and send it out to uh, high school coaches everywhere. Okay. Uh, So, the fourth thing on the list, the ignoring and struggling with lifestyle elements was the third common mistake we make in keto. Uh, The fourth thing is over exercising early into keto adaptation both muscles and brain are starved of their usual steady supply of glucose and trying hard to function well on alternate energy sources. At first, your muscles and brain are competing for precious ketones. I talked about that a little earlier in the show. Do you get what I'm saying here? Um, Your brain is the ravenous energy demand organ burning up some 20 to 25% of all your daily calories. Boom. And guess what? The brain's going to take priority too, because that's just how the body works. Genetics, we need that brain functioning no matter what, even when we're uh, tired, starving, stressed, sick, whatever. So the brain is always going to get the fuel it needs. It'll be a very uh, 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 formidable foe trying to uh, gather that energy from your bloodstream, take it, and use it for its high functioning throughout the day. Um, that means that uh, your muscles might come out on the short end of that and you might have these subpar workouts that we hear about so much when people are transitioning over to keto and feeling like they lose their top end or even endurance athletes report that they're just not quite as sharp for a while. Um, Now, when you are forcing your body to work out as you transition into keto, so you're going out there, uh, the muscles are firing you 're pedaling the bicycle you're rowing you're jogging whatever, so you're burning energy and your muscles are consuming uh, this precious energy that's no longer coming uh from the diet in massive doses of carbohydrate uh that is also going to possibly contribute to uh symptoms like uh the brain fog and the afternoon blues so it 's this competition for energy that can make things really tough, especially out of the gate when you go keto so uh, when you're over exercising, oh my goodness, that's when um, you're going to probably suffer on both accounts. You're going to have crappy workouts and you're going to have afternoon blues, and it's going to be a bummer of a time. So, the tips for success is in that, especially in those first three weeks of your foray into nutritional ketosis, back off on your typical overall workout energy output, back off on the total calorie burning accumulation in your uh, uh, workout pattern for the week or whatever you want to count. This will make sure that your muscles and brain don't have to compete for energy. Instead, focus on increasing all forms of gentle everyday movement. So sitting around, uh, crossing your fingers, and not exercising while you transition over to keto is going to make it a lot more difficult because inactivity promotes insulin resistance promotes carbohydrate cravings and this is a has a profound and immediate effect where our studies showing after 20 minutes of sitting still you start to uh, uh, become less insulin sensitive you become more insulin resistant even in short periods of stillness so our bodies are designed to move all the time and we really thrive on uh, constant uh, everyday gentle movement throughout the day Of course, we also have jobs, and we have to sit there and, uh, you know, review reports and uh, give a Facebook Live performance. I'm I'm fidgeting around a little bit, aren't I? Yeah. Now my legs are finally, uh, you know, I'm finally warmed up, so I'm not shaking. uh, But, you know, I'll bob and weave a little bit and see different pictures in the background. I worked so hard on the background here, so you wouldn't see goofy stuff in the background. You'd see AI. You'd see me wiping out at Lake Tahoe my new podcast logo, <laughs> all kinds of fun stuff to distract you in case I'm not interesting enough here. Now, um, the, the goal here when you're increasing all forms of general everyday movement is that you're up-regulating fat burning. It's helping you get really good at burning fat by moving around. So this Six minute break from your work desk to walk around the hall or take a few flights of stairs is a significant benefit to your overall goals of becoming a good fat burning machine. Even though you probably scoff at it and think that your morning boot camp at 6 a.m., your boot camp workout is way more important, these could be even counterproductive because they're overly stressful, they compromise your sleep. Their sugar burning due to the high intensity nature of a lot of these group exercise classes. So those could set you back while walking around the office courtyard at lunch or taking three separate five-minute breaks uh, during the uh, l- prolonged hours of work after lunch or before lunch. These are the things that could be big winners. So the big objectives here to avoid this over-exercising is moving more throughout the day. Uh, when you do exercise, be sure to conduct cardio workouts at or below your maximum aerobic heart rate. That's the cutoff point to where you have a predominantly fat-burning workout versus a workout that drifts into the higher glucose-burning heart rates and has a higher stress impact. In other words, the stress hormones get flowing. You might have a bit of fatigue or depletion sensation after these workouts that are conducted at too elevated of a heart rate, and you're not contributing to your goals of becoming a better fat burner. So the magic number for a cardio session is 180 minus age in beats per minute. That is what's known as your maximum aerobic heart rate. It has a dramatically different metabolic effect, whether you are above that or below that. So uh, pretty simple. Let's say I'm, I'm 50, I'm 53, but it's easier to subtract 180 minus 50 is 130 in beats per minute that will be my cutoff and I have the heart watch and I'll set the beeper to make sure I keep this honest and keep it real. And when I hear that beeper, I know that I'm going to slow down my running pace or my cycling pace to make sure I'm getting an aerobic session. You also want to allow for sufficient recovery between high intensity workouts. The best results come from high intensity when the workout itself is uh, relatively short in duration and explosive in nature, and then you spend enough time and enough days in between going and hitting it hard again. So especially the duration of the workout in its entirety, when you go into the gym and you're doing a high-intensity strength training session that lasts for an hour and 15 minutes because you're going through the stations that many times, or you have a personal trainer that wants to get their money's worth and is keeping you Cranking in there for over an hour, uh, in my strong opinion and that of many others, that's too long. And what happens when you go on a on a duration uh, excessive duration is you're going to tend to deplete yourself and stimulate cravings for carbohydrate because you've depleted all your glycogen with a workout that just simply lasted too long. Also, if you're going in there that long. Guess what? It's not that explosive. It's not that impressive from that standpoint because the workout's too long by definition to be truly explosive and high intensity. It's more of a blended workout where you're getting a bit of cardiovascular effect because of the duration, but you're not reaching those explosive height uh, the, the highest highs of, you know, high powered workouts where you go in there, do a couple few sets and go home. So go hard and go home when it's time to go high intensity instead of staying in there too long. Uh, speaking of that six week commitment to nutritional ketosis, uh, by weeks uh, by by week three after that struggle out of the gate when your brain and muscles are competing for energy, hopefully you've managed that by toning down your overall workout output. And then from weeks three to six, you should be feeling better because your muscles are able to burn fat at higher rates. Very interesting, exciting, fun times in the process of fat and keto adaptation, referencing the great work of Finney and Volek, identifying that the, even the muscles get uh, more fat adapted to where they can burn uh, a greater percentage of fat, uh, even as you drift into the higher intensities. But also, when you think about the whole entire big picture, if you're a sugar burning beast and you're going to the gym, look, you park your car in the parking lot, you start walking to the door and walking up the one flight of stairs and you're burning sugar right away and then you get on the exercise bike for a gentle 15 minute warm up but you're so bad at burning fat due to your diet and due to your high stress lifestyle that you're even burning sugar during your 15 minute workout 15 minute warm up and then you go into the uh, the high intensity stuff the glycolytic workout itself and you're burning sugar at an accelerated rate and then you're cooling down afterward walking back to the car you have to stop at Jamba Juice, you're standing in line, you're burning sugar the whole time, and uh, all the workout did was accelerate your rate of sugar burning and in- uh, increase your appetite for more replenishment. So you're going to order the medium Jamba Juice and the healthy breakfast loaf, and that's going to give you uh, a massive dose of carbohydrates. We wrote about this in the Primal Blueprint and analyzed the macronutrients of the little snack that you take uh. Out of, out of the gym uh, on the way back. And it's like some kind of, what was it, 175 grams of carbohydrates in a single uh, quick visit to Jamba Juice. So all you're doing is perpetuating your addiction to sugar. You're going to struggle with reducing excess body fat because you're going to burn calories and then you're going to replenish them right away due to your massive appetite and your propensity to burn sugar rather than fat. And it's just going to be bad news. And in many cases, in many uh, manners of speaking, accelerated aging due to your fitness regimen and your propensity for healthy snacks like jamba juice. It's a bad deal. So we want to get out of that. We want to explore this world of fat adaptation. Um, and back to my reference on the story, from weeks three to six, you should be feeling better because your muscles are burning fat at higher rates. And then the ketones you make will be preferentially sent on an express train from your liver to your brain. Remember, your brain can't burn fat; it burns glucose only, or the glucose-like substitute of ketones. So that's the ultimate state of being fat and keto adapted: is that your muscles are uh, fat burning and your brain is ketone burning. Okay, so don't set any performance goals, uh, fitness goals during those first six weeks of ketos. Once you hit that six-week mark, then you'll be primed for performance breakthroughs because your genes are going to be rewired to be fat burner instead of sugar burner. So you'll get back to previous uh, uh, athletic competency after six weeks, and then you will take off and go up from there. And so many great reports from uh, endurance athletes and strength athletes alike uh, saying that they're making breakthroughs on keto. Okay, Um, number five in the common mistakes. Monica Stewart Lewis has joined. Monica, high jump superstar. How are you, CrossFit queen? Okay. Many of the knocks against keto, especially, hey, keto just isn't for everybody, or the adverse user experiences that you hear about here and there, can be attributed in part to a failure to adjust your intake of fluids, as well as key minerals and electrolytes like sodium, potassium, and magnesium. When you ditch inflammatory foods such as sugars and grains, inflammation is reduced in cells throughout your body. This results in less swelling and water retention, which is a good thing, but it may temporarily stress your cells since you have less water, electrolytes, and minerals than you used to. Oh, trip out on that. Your fat face looks way better, but overall, you're needing to make an adjustment in your intake of electrolytes and minerals. As your cells struggle to recalibrate, you may experience fatigue, constipation, digestive distress, and eventually trigger a backslide into your previous carbohydrate dependency ways. Oh, guess who I can think of on this example? Me, Bradley Kearns. When I first tried keto back in April of 2016, with my sidekick, my main man, Brian McAndrew, who masters all of our audio and does all our awesome videos on YouTube, including that Brad Kern's chest freezer cold plunge. Since I talked about chest freezer cold plunge at the start of the show, go check that out on YouTube. We got to make that thing viral, man. We got to bring that thing up and you got to get your own chest freezer. It's the greatest health therapy, easily accessible, total budget, inexpensive. Get one of those, fill it up with water and you have a ready-made cold plunge year round. It's the most awesome, coolest thing. Uh, So anyway, when Brian and I started back in April of 2016, I went really great for three weeks. I felt fine, uh, wasn't hungry, was sticking to keto. uh, And then I totally bombed out of the three-week mark. I was sitting in Burbank Airport, and I just started to feel like I needed to eat everything in sight. So I went over to the gift shop and uh, bought a bunch of those nut bags for $8 each or whatever. And uh, from that point on, like the, the next week, I was just exhausted and binging on all kinds of food and just felt like I would depleted myself and, and run aground, <laughs> the ship had run aground. Um, so a few things I identify, one was I was trying to maintain my normal athletic fitness output, even though I was restricting my carbs from my typical pattern of the previous 10 years of eating primal, where I was probably in the 150 gram per day range. Maybe even higher as allowances for my workout output. And then I was devotedly lowering it down to 50 grams per day uh, while still trying to maintain that workout output. So competing for energy between muscles and brain. And then, secondly, I think I really messed up the electrolyte thing and just didn't put enough sodium back into my body. Upon uh, further research and consultation, especially with Luis Villasenor, he explained that. All these symptoms of feeling hungry and feeling tired, uh, blaming it on keto. Like, yeah, maybe it's not for me. Maybe I'm more of a carb-burning person than the next person. And so I, I tried and it didn't work. He says a lot of that might be attributed to uh, electrolyte imbalance, failure to consume enough sodium. So Dr. D'Agostino, uh, who we re- uh, uh, quoted reference for the book, Suggests adding four to eight grams, that's one to two teaspoons of sodium to your diet each day when you go keto. So here's what I do every time I drink some water. Let's see if I can get this beautiful uh, water uh, container in the picture. You know, these things. Oh, look at the stickers. And we know it's Brad's. Um, Keeps it cold all day, keeps it warm. How does it know the difference? But it does. It's amazing. Thank you, Steve Martin, for telling us that. And the jerk, if you didn't get that movie line reference. Uh, every time I fill this up, I put a few shakes of real salt, that wonderful product that has 84 complementary vitamins, minerals, nutrients in there, not just salt. So I shake salt every time I drink water. Uh, that is going to help with hydration because, as Dr. Kelly Starrett uh, comments too in his detailed interviews on the Keto Reset Mastery course, um, when you're just slamming a bunch of water, especially after a workout or something like, hey, time to rehydrate, here's a gallon of water. If you slam your body with a ton of water at once, it's just going to pee a lot of it out because it's going to uh, disturb that delicate balance, uh, especially uh, the sodium balance in your bloodstream. So what you want to do is get a little pinch of sodium every time you consume water, and that will help it become better absorbed into the tissues throughout your body, Rather than just processed and excreted because it's too much of a shock and it doesn't have that proper sodium balance. So I'm really working hard on increasing my intake of quality sources of sodium, the Himalayan pink salt or the sea salt, uh, to the tune of one to two teaspoons of sodium extra per day when you go keto. Same with the magnesium; it's such a commonly uh, deficient supplement uh, in even in health conscious eaters. And so important, Uh, I know the experts are recommending that uh, before bedtime to help you with sleep. And uh, commonly cited goals to take uh, 400 milligrams uh, per day, additional when you're keto. Let me see see if I can get a screenshot of that. Where's my magnesium? Oh, yeah. Look at this guy. Ultra mag, man. It's got to be good, huh? Pure encapsulations, quality performer. So I'm taking a bunch of that. And uh traveling with me, swallowing those things, hopefully they work, and also consuming potassium rich foods to the tune of getting an extra thousand milligrams a day. And the uh the champion for potassium is avocados. Yeah, big time, blowing away the competition. I think there's like a thousand milligrams in one avocado. Other good sources are wild salmon, leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables. I just bought some salmon eggs. For 10 bucks for the tiniest little jar, but talk about one of the most nutrient dense foods on the planet, very salty. So I'm sure I'm getting a ton of sodium out of there too. Thank you, Nugget Market. I bought three of them. I just splurged. What the heck, man? Throw down. Okay. So uh, we're getting long on the recording now. I appreciate you hanging in there. Um, And we have a couple more uh, quick tips. So we've talked a lot about this and We'll get through these quickly. We'll have our common eight mistakes and how to avoid them. Yeah. Uh, The sixth on the list of common mistakes is choosing less nutritious food. So this is where we get into this um, uh, bacon and butter diet criticism that the naysayers are constantly pointing out, saying these people are just eating a bunch of high-fat crap, and uh, hey, what about the plant-based diet? And so to be clear, especially with uh, the approach that I can speak to with the Keto Reset Diet, yes, we're all about the plant-based diet. You can do our program even if you're a vegetarian and even possibly a vegan, okay? So that's going to be tough. It's going to be a challenge, but uh, you can still do it. And choosing those less nutritious foods just because they are keto approved, and this includes a lot of the package process stuff. I was walking the halls at... Paleo FX conference. It's great to see all the purveyors of uh, uh, primal paleo keto foods out there, but some of these things that are in a wrapper and a package and have been extruded through machine processing, uh, I can't uh, make a big recommendation for that, even if they are high in fat and low in carbohydrate. You get what I mean? So choosing nutritious, natural, wholesome foods, including an emphasis on uh, the great uh, nutrient dense vegetables, the high fiber above ground vegetables from the leafy green family and from the cruciferous family. We are in agreement with uh, Luis Villasenor and the recommendation from Keto Gains, where he says don't worry about counting your carbs in those categories in the leafy greens, cruciferous vegetables, and avocados. So you can kind of give that a zero because they have so much fiber and, and nutrient benefit. They're not going to disturb insulin. So when you're trying to stay under that 50 grams per day, don't worry about those healthy, nutritious, bulky foods and just kind of try to uh, stay, stay finely tuned with your other sources of carbs, whether it be your dark chocolate. Whoops, who are you talking to, Brad? Me? Oh, yeah. Um, I've been known to eat like a whole bar of this in one day, right? <laughs> hey, 90%, it's pretty good. Yeah, this is a good brand. Thomas Keller's the best, but those are $12 a bar. But I recommend finding those on the internet. They're absolutely stunning. They're so good. Uh, but this guy's got um, 12 grams of carbs and two servings per container. So that's 24 grams. That's halfway to keto just from eating one chocolate bar. And on many days, I will make that decision to enjoy the whole bar and not eat many other sources of incidental carbs, but still eating a lot of vegetables and enjoying a nutrient-dense diet not messing around with these processed foods and uh, ignoring the benefits of uh, getting nutritious, colorful diet. Um, Number seven on the list is trying to lose fat and go keto. And I should do a whole show on that one, so I will. Uh, But we want to uh, remember that as we tout the wonderful benefits of uh, fat reduction through ketogenic eating, we first have to become metabolically healthy. This is a great point made by Dr. Tommy Wood, Nourish Balance Thrive, and L. Russ uh, with the Paleo Thyroid Solution, is don't even think about losing excess body fat until you're metabolically healthy and until you're fully fat and keto adapted. So combining this dietary transformation where you're trying to restrict carbohydrate calories, maybe for the first time so extremely, and get keto, and trying to lose weight through caloric deficit, that's going to be too much stress on the body. So the goal is to get to uh, get through the keto reset journey, the met- met- metabolism reset, the fine-tuning period, the six-week period of nutritional ketosis. Yes, you might lose excess body fat as a consequence of doing this journey. You might lose a lot of it. People are writing in with great results. But wait until you get through with your six-week keto period. And then, then you can just put your hand on the dial and turn down that dial and lose as much body fat as you want until you get to your ideal body composition. But you can't rush through it, okay? So you make sure you get fat and keto adapted and then tackle that goal of excess body fat reduction. And then finally, number eight on the list is applying a rigid dogmatic approach. There's lots of ways to do keto wrong, but there's a number of ways to do it right. With the exploding popularity comes hype and misinformation, uh, especially the idea that you have to be super strict about it and have a frown on your face instead of a smile. Okay, so relax. Don't worry. Don't think you have to know every single opinion and angle and counter opinion on the topic of keto. Run rapidly in the other direction from dogmatic, dogmatic heavy-handed communication immerse into n equals 1 that means personal experiment of one see what makes w- see what works for you and don't worry about the rest don't worry about skipping breakfast if everyone's saying that maybe you can skip lunch instead that kind of thing fine tune it do something that works for you and that you feel like you can sustain rather than something extreme and strict where we don't even know if we'll be talking to you a year from now how's that everyone thank you so much for listening and commenting and I look forward to doing this regularly. So send me some suggestions either through uh, the Facebook group or to info at And go over to ketoreset.com and check out the mastery course because it is super awesome. It has everything you need to succeed. I am going to give you a 20% discount just for listening all the way to the end of this show. Surprise! It's Brad20, brad, 20, B-R-A-D so when you decide to enroll in the mastery course and get lifelong access to all those videos and the step-by-step walking you through the entire journey as it's detailed in the Keto Reset Diet book and listening to all the experts and all the wonderfully organized information that you can pick and choose from and make this an amazing educational journey, uh, when you're ready to check out, just put Brad 20 into the, uh, the discount field and you'll get a 20% discount on your course enrollment. Thank you for hanging on Facebook Live. See you soon. Bye, Monica. Hi, listeners. It's Brad Kearns. I'm so excited to introduce you to our all-new comprehensive Online multimedia course called the 21 Day Primal Reset. This is everything you need to go step-by-step into a lifestyle transformation and go primal, go all in, make the commitment. We are here with an amazing online course with over 60 videos taking you through step-by-step daily challenges in the areas of diet, exercise, and lifestyle. You also get to download an assortment of print and audio materials. We have an awesome app that helps you engage with the community while you're doing your 21-day reset daily inspirational emails keeping you focused, giving you tips and tricks. We have shopping lists, PDFs. Oh, it's a great collection of items all on the login portal as soon as you register instant and lifetime access, everything you need. What a great gift to give someone, family, friend, loved one that you want to share the gift of primal living with. And even if you're an expert long-term, what a great way to kind of tune up and get that reset going, build some momentum if your goals are reducing excess body fat, being healthy and staying with the Primal program for the rest of your life. That's what this journey is, is a kickstart to generate long-term, lasting lifestyle change. And when you enroll at PrimalBlueprint.com, we have a wonderful selection of add-on product kits at an extreme discount to thank you for enrolling in the digital course. So you can throw in some wonderful Primal kitchen products or Primal Blueprint supplements. Check it all out at PrimalBlueprint.com. Everyone does A reset, you deserve a reset. Make the commitment for 21 days, and we'll be with you every step of the way to guide you.